I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Paul Hall. I'm Pete Rees. I'm Charlie Keegan. I'm Adam Tettleberry. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Welcome to the latest Progress with Unity podcast. Sheffield United are in town on Monday, so we're going to do a preview of that game. Colwell Touré's homecoming, his first game in Wigan as manager of the Latics. It's very cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Yeah, baby, it's Colwell outside. Oh! Well done. Yeah, well done. Sheffield United, second in the championship at the moment, having a cracking, cracking season, following on from last season when they, they made the playoffs and some people thought they were unlucky not to get past Nottingham Forest, uh, but they got knocked out in the playoffs. Paul Eckenbottom's come in and he's turned the club back on an upward trajectory. It's going to be a really, really tough game, this. Not only are we under the floodlights, we're on the television as well. Sheffield United, what, what have we made of them? What have you made of them, Charlie, so far? I thought they've been, they've been really good. I think they're definitely going to be top two. I can't really see them dropping into the playoffs with the trajectory that they're on. I think before this weekend, the the four points clear of Blackburn Rovers and Burnley are top, but obviously we know what they did to Burnley a few games ago. So Mm. I think they're they're really good. They've got a lot of players in the squad who can score goals from all over the field. So I'm... um, I'm really impressed with him this season. Ekin Bottom, Adam, he, we know him from, from Barnsley, don't we? You know, he had a good season with them. Didn't he set them up via the playoffs the season we, we romped away with it? They were bottom round about Christmas time, weren't they? They, they went on a great run. And I think we played them three times that year because we, we had them in the, whatever it was, Johnson's paint trophy. And you could tell that day they'd improved quite a bit. And then they came to our players didn't they on the last day in one four one. All players did all do a combined collapse after twenty five minutes though, didn't they? As the as the hangover kicked in. <laughs> Fans did as well. We looked like we were going to cruise it the first first twenty minutes, didn't we? Bank holiday Monday. Everybody yeah. was in party mood. King Street was blocked. It was a bus a bus couldn't get past because everybody was singing Will Griggs on fire. <laughs> Ekin Bottom has done a, has done a great job though this season with, with them. I think he came in in, in March, didn't he? And, Picked, picked up the baton and got them into the playoffs last season. They've really pushed on this season. In one sense, I think with a club like Sheffield United, you're always going to expect them to be up somewhere near the top, aren't you? Because they, they've uh, the financial resources that they're going to have. So it's not a huge surprise to see them you know, in those uh, top six places. As we've already said, I think Paul Heckingbottom showed at Barnsley in a very short space of time what a good manager he is. I wouldn't judge anybody for having failed at Leeds in the the period that he was were because they were going through managers uh, every few weeks it seemed they, they seem to have got something together there and yeah and with the players that they've got we're, I think we're going to be in for a tough time on Monday but we'll, we'll see it's a new regime for us I'm, I'm hopeful I'm hopeful at the very least of a good game against them yeah it should be an exciting game usually against Sheffield United down the years they've been good games they're away form it's quite quite impressive yeah six wins three defeats two draws out of 11 20 points yeah, that's um, not bad away form, is it? We had a little bit of that early doors, but yeah, they've carried it on, whereas we haven't. So yeah, let's hope we put a, a, a pierce it a little bit with a, another defeat on Monday, but I think we'll struggle. Well, we'll come we'll come to that later on. But if we're looking at, and Pete mentioned the players, though, they've got some cracking players to, at the club. Haven't they? I mean, Billy Sharp been around for, for quite a long time. I mean, what a legend he is. I, mean, I always thought Will Grigg would turn into a Billy Sharp sort of character, but unfortunately, he didn't quite work out for, for Griggy long term. But some belting players, though. Yeah, there really is. They've got 
They've got a lot of players though, uh, scoring a lot of goals at the moment. That Illiman, NDI, and Oliver McBurney—they're both on the race to try and get the tenth goal of the of their campaign. They've got nine apiece. NDI's got three assists to his name, but he also went to the World Cup, and a lot of England fans will probably know him because he played for Senegal for that first forty-five minutes in the round of sixteen. He got an assist against Qatar, um, obviously before the end of the group stage. But he's he's quick. He plays as a centre attacking mid. Um, he's going to cause our back line, no doubt, a lot of problems. But they've also got Anel Ahmed-Hodzic, who's a centre-back. He's got four goals and two assists in 16 games. He loves them from set pieces. He can score from, you know, open play. And Ollie Norwood as well. He's a he's on the free kicks, I think, and he's been scoring quite a few free kick goals recently. So plays all over the field who can score or assist. I was just going to come in on the um, Billy Sharp. Obviously, he's been a great goal scorer, over the years, but I think his first hat trick came against us, didn't it? Am I right in saying? In was it the four-two defeat on the cook? I'll let the statos check that out, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. If you look at the form, Adam, for Sheffield United over the past six games, it sort of puts puts a little bit of fear in you. I mean, they've they've won five of those, they've lost one, which is a little bit of a chink of light if, if, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I know it was a a game against the local rivals, Rotherham. But Rotherham aren't the best team in the championship, are they? And they they managed to get a 1-0 win at Ramal Lane. And I think that in itself gives us a little bit of hope. It's a bit strange at the moment as well, isn't it? Because we've kind of started the season again. We're in, we're in reset. And ours is a bigger reset because we've got a new manager as well. I mean, we're mentioning some players that, you know, the, the, the um, you know, fighting over who's going to be the top scorer. But, you know, we've got a guy there, I think he's on, is it eight? Will Keane, I think he's on eight goals. I think we've got, we've, I think under Torre, the way he's been talking in, in his interviews, it's about belief, bravery, confidence. Look, you tactically have to think about your opposition, clearly. You know, you, you, you like, for example, you put your, you put your walker on your Mbappe in the, in the England match. But I don't think we need to be fearful of the opposition. I think we've got a lot of good players ourselves who were maybe lacking a bit of confidence. I like the fact that we've had that break. We got that home win before the break as well because our home form obviously is as bad as Sheffield United's away form is good. So on paper, uh, well, I know we'll come to predictions in a moment, on paper it looks like a dead cert away, game, away win. But um, as I said, we've got a lot of good players as well. So... You know, and there's there's nothing to say that we can't compete with them. So uh, be very very interesting um, game, and I think Sky will probably have the record viewers of the season, won't they, for this Monday night classic? I think a lot of it is going to be about how competitive we are within the match. And if you think back to earlier in the season, the the confidence that we, we played with, despite not scoring many goals, despite not creating a lot of chances, the way we tore into a lot of the teams that we played against, I think we're perhaps back to that now as a lot of the players want to impress the manager. They've perhaps had a little little bit of a boost in, in, in training. There's somebody there who's trying to give them confidence and, and um, pick them up after you know a large number of defeats over the last couple of months. And I think if he, if he can encourage them to basically just get stuck into them from the word go, it's something that might throw 
Sheffield United off their stride because they might not be expecting it. Every player, every fan is guilty of looking at form tables and blah, blah, blah. And you could be, you know, Sheffield United players and managers and so on can be forgiven for thinking this could be one of the easier matches of the season. Well, let's make it the case that it isn't one of the easier matches of the season. Yeah, and let's get right into them from the word go and let's see if we can put them on the back foot. Just a pity about that Rotherham result, really, weren't it? Because that was like a bit of a jolt for them, a bit of kick up the backside. So be massive. I know it was a local derby and, and you know, we know what happens in derbies, but I just wish, wish they, I mean, they followed that up with a 5 2 win over Burnley. So uh, they, they were straight back on, on, on the tracks, weren't they? When you think about the way we're going to be lining up, Paul, um, can you see similar. Start to the way we played at Millwall. Would you keep the same team and make any changes? I can't see any changes unless there's any injuries. I th- we did a decent job against Millwall, didn't we? Especially early doors. So yeah, I could, I'd see it being the same. The way we played in that game, I thought was was quite refreshing. It was uh, we we stopped playing like England. We weren't knocking it between the two centre backs, were we? We were actually looking to get forward. We were sharp passing, uh, quick passing. And we talked about the goal last week, didn't we? How it came came from a, a, a breakaway. I know that chance in the first 30 seconds was very similar how that came about. Especially with us being at home. Do you think Cole or Turiel want us to be really on the offensive in this match? Yeah, and I think one of the, the things I'm interested to see is if we stick with the 4-2-3-1 formation or if he does get a little bit unsettled by Sheffield United and how well they're doing and tries to drop back to a 3-5-2. I would prefer if he stayed with a 4-2-3-1 just to give us an extra player in attack and keep us on that front foot because, like you say, 30 seconds in against Millwall, there was options up the field and we could work the ball forward. And as the game went on, you know, obviously, Broadhead ran into the box and then laid it off to Keane and it gave us a few more opportunities and avenues to work in. So I hope he doesn't get fearful of Sheffield and goes to a back three. One thing for sure, Charlie White won't be playing. He's injured. And also, I believe Ryan Niamh is still out with a knee injury, so he's not going to be coming back. I, I think the, you know, the, the the biggest difference I think that we saw uh, against Millwall was the, the the use of the the central striker. We've we've moved very quickly from a target man approach, somebody who's going to hold the ball up, to to somebody who plays on the, you know, the the modern phrases plays on the shoulder of the. Uh, last defender and I think that's it's a much more attractive kind of football so you, you're looking to get behind the defence you're looking to, to to play balls behind the defenders instead of just launching it from the back and hoping somebody's going to knock down looking for second balls and so on I just think that that, that whole approach using somebody like Nathan Broadhead as a as a as a pacey, tricky striker. You, you're really using his strengths I think I, I think that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing more of uh, I'm you know, I, I know using people like Charlie. Sorry, I'm not talking about Charlie White so much here, but Josh McGinnis. Um, it's yeah. When we've seen that, I, I, that's that's the bit I can understand when they've talked about uh, appointing a new manager who play more of a, a modern type of football. I can understand that more because I just think that I do think that kind of stuff belongs in the past. Uh, especially as your main strategy, so I'm really looking. I'm really looking forward to seeing Nathan Broadhead playing up front again tonight. I was just thinking, actually, I don't think I've ever mentioned it before in this formation. That, as I said, I think was the strongest formation for us last year. But when teams play this formation, do they not tend to play it with the, the kind of the opposite way around, where where Lang would be 
on the left and McLean on the right. A bit like if you think about England, you know, where say Rashford would be on the left because he's right footed and Asaka on the on the right. And I remember I think on the Martinez, wasn't it, that Nzogbia played a lot of time on the right and cutting on his uh, on on his mm-hmm. left foot. And then we'd have Maloney, the the um, the right footer on the left. So I just think um, it, it's interesting at what why we want to play that way. So rather than because McLean the other day, I don't know if you noticed, he kept cutting inside. But I think his right foot is just for standing on. It's, it's useless, he's, it's yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. terrible. But if that if he if he feels that he wants to cut inside, I also I think Lang could go both ways. You know, I think he could run it down the left, but I think he could come inside. So I just want, I, I'm not saying we, we should abandon it, but... I recall Lang playing on the left. I can't remember who it was against, but I recall him playing on the left, and he was awful. Maybe that's why. There's only one game, Barry. Well, <laughs> yeah. it might have been enough. They might have thought, never again, never again. Yeah, but it's not this management team, is it? That's the thing. And, and he's, imp- he's, he's more mature. He's improved since then. And I, and I yeah. think you've got to you've got to you've got to try players in different positions and and so on. I, bylines. I, thought, I mean, get I to don't the know ba- if... bylines, Pete. Bylines. Get the ball over, and it's coming back for strikers to run onto. Yeah, yeah. But and, and Callum, Callum Lang is 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 good. There's no question about it. But I, I I don't know if you know statistics would bear this out or not. But I did notice in that first half that. Um, it's something I thought I'd not seen that much of Callum Lang doing, where he was cutting in from the right wing more rather than going always on the outside. And I think that's a positive thing because if you go in on the outside all the time, it's much easier for the defenders to predict what you're going to do. And I thought that was quite good, the, the way that he was the way he was cutting inside and he was linking up more with, with Will Keane and Nathan Broadhead. If you can do that, you put doubts in the d- defender's deliberate. mind. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. if you can then both do that on both wings, you can swap over, yeah. and the yeah, defenders exactly. don't know who they're marking. They don't know which way they're going. You yeah. Give the defenders every option to think about. And I wonder as well. The, the, the thing is about the, the 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 wide players. You know, in this in this case, Callum Lang and James McLean. If they're coming inside more, whichever side that they're playing on, the, the point is about pulling the full back in as well and creating space on the outside. Then for um, you know the the, the wing back or uh, whoever it is to, to 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 fill that space, and um, yeah, I I it's a more it's a more flexible approach, and I think we've been guilty this season of um, very often being inflexible and a bit too predictable. And Barry is absolutely gagging to say something. I am, yeah, because Charlie <laughs> will know this because I know he's spoken to somebody. Haven't Sheffield United got injury concerns at wing back on both sides? They have had recently. Um, I think they're starting centre backs, or starting full backs, sorry, Jaden Bogle and Max Lowe. And when I spoke to Noah from the Red Half of Sheffield podcast, he was saying that they've been out injured for a little bit this season and he doesn't know if they're going to start. He doesn't really expect them to start. So if not, Callum Lang and James McLean and Broadhead, if, if we choose to play Broadhead more on the right or on the left, you know, change the formation of the front four around a little bit. Fullbacks aren't going to be the starting ones likely. So they're there to be attacked and they're there to, to be put on the front foot. So sometimes you can cut in or you can run to the byline. And I like the way when we do progress forward, if Lang does go to the byline, you see Keane drop back a little bit. He doesn't run into the box, he drops back. And that's where we saw the goal against Millwall come from because Broadhead ran in, Keane just 
he raced to get to the edge of the box, but then stopped his run and waited. And James McLean, I've noticed when he's starting to cut in, he's hovering around the edge of the box, trying to find somebody. And a couple of times it's been Tom Naylor, who's had a shot from range and could have got the winner um, against Millwall when he had that long range shot. And was it George Long made the, the good save against Naylor late on? If Jaden Bogle and Max Lowe are out, that's a great opportunity for us. And we should be attacking them better than better than we think we could, probably can. Mm-hmm. I, I think as well, what we need to bear in mind with Paulo Toure is that he's he's going to be trying a lot of things out over the next few weeks and perhaps even months. And he might be he might be looking at, for example, at James McLean as well. You know, could he play? You know, could they swap wings during games and, and get him to play on the right wing but come inside if that's what you know the, the, the circumstances allow for i think there's going to be quite a lot of exper- experimentation within the parameters of you know we've only got a certain number of players and, and and blah 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 so i think it's entirely possible that um for what you said charlie you know with these uh, players perhaps missing tomorrow that um you know that they're looking at the opposition and saying okay well what can we how can we take advantage of that? What 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 can we do um, that's a bit different that we've not tried before in order to take to take advantage of that? And it's yeah, I think it's one of the the, the good things about uh, having a new management team that you, you you get to see this experimentation. The referee will be Mr. Dean Whitestone from Northamptonshire, and he last refed Latics away at QPR in October, which was a two-one defeat. During his career, he's taken charge of six Latics games. We've won two, drawn two, and lost two. And the card watch so far this season for Dean Whitestone is that he's taken charge of 15 games. Ten have been championship games, and in those 15 games, he's issued 45 yellows, one red, and he's awarded four penalties. And that's Dean Whitestone, who will be your referee on Monday. Previous, we have played Sheffield United on 20 occasions, winning six, losing nine and drawing five. The first meeting was a Division 4 encounter in September 81 at Springfield Park. The Latics going down 0-1. We also lost the return fixture of Bramall Lane uh, by the same scoreline uh, in March 82, which uh, was, of course, the year that Latics um, secured their first promotion as a football league side and I think Sheffield United did as well, maybe as champions. Barry will confirm that later. Uh, we haven't beaten the Blades at home since September 2004. In that game, there was a double from Ellington and Roberts. And that was when we were playing absolutely magnificent football. And it looked like we were going to absolutely storm that league uh, rather than taking it to the last game against uh, Reading. That would probably be my most memorable game because we were absolutely superb. And it only seems like uh, yesterday. Back to Barry, who... Um, well, answer my question about Sheffield United, and then I think he wants to talk about Mal Brannigan <laughs> and Kevin Betsy. Rob Edwards scored both of those goals in those two one nil. That's right, games. yeah, yeah, yeah. and away. Did they go up as champions? I'm sure Bradford City went up as champions. It was uh, yeah, City, I, Sheffield yeah, United, I, that rings a bell. Bournemouth, yeah. and us. Yeah, yeah. Sheffield United were second, I think. Yeah, yeah. I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just, the... I just remember that 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 home game against them in the in the early part of that that season because. For us as a fairly new football league team, Sheffield United were an absolutely massive club, and it just felt like a, an absolute invasion when they came to to Springfield Park. There was there was 
red and white everywhere and the, the, people didn't bother so much standing or sitting in their, their allotted places in those days. And it was it just seemed to be like chaos everywhere. The wild, so, wild west in those days in the football grounds. Talking of chaos, the, the game that jumps out to me, it was uh, 3-0 up after 75 minutes and Chris McCann had scored the third goal and we just relaxed and then they came back at us, didn't they? And it finished three apiece. And I'm, I swear, if we'd have played another four minutes of that game, we'd have lost. We'd have lost. Yeah. It was a, what a game that was, though. It was a brilliant game. And that, what was that? 2016, 17, 16, 17, wasn't it? Yeah, the year we won the league under Caldwell. Yeah. So right, 15, yeah. 15, 16, no. but. That was rearranged that game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in Boxing Day when the uh, the Newtown sort of um, junction was actually underwater, completely underwater. I think yeah. people were sending pictures of them sailing over, and so I think it was pretty sure that the game was going to be off when we when we saw those conditions. Quick predictions, then we'll uh, while we've got a bit of time left, we'll we'll talk about what happened at the members' night at Whelan's Bar. So predictions, I'm going to go for a repeat of last weekend. I'm going to go for one apiece. Tough game. I think we're in a tough game as well, but I, I, I do think we're going to give them a tough game, but I think I think we might just go down ever so slightly, 2-1. I was on the Red Arthur Sheffield podcast and Chad, who's the American host, he asked me what my score prediction was and straight away I went to 2-1 Sheffield. I just think the game's going to be a little bit too too far ahead of us. I would love for us to win. I'd love for it to 2-1 in our favour. I just think that with NDI and McBurney and the rest of them, it's going to be a little too much, I think. It's going to be cold. It's going to be freezing. I'm not <laughs> going to predict much to cheer us up because, <laughs> like you just said, it's a tough game. I'm going to go with something that I very, very rarely predict and that's nil-nil. I'm a bit like you, Barry. I'm, I'm going to go for a repeat, but instead I'm going to go for a repeat of our 2004 4 0 to Wigan. <laughs> get in there, lad. Get in there. 4 0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey we're, we're get, laughing get, now. Get we're laughing now. But yeah. I think get in their faces from the word go and we've got a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul, I think you're wrong as well. It's not going to be cold. It's forecast 12 degrees for Monday. It's going to be. Why is it warming up? Oh. <laughs> Some t shirts. Yeah, week it warms up. Yeah. Get your suntan loss tonight. First evening was along at Whelan's Bar for a members' night with Graham Shinney, Anthony Scully, uh, had a little chatter amongst the uh, supporters who were there, and then there were Kevin Betsy, the new assistant manager, and Mal Brannigan. So I'm going to jump straight in here and say something that, repeat what Mal said, which was very interesting. He said a few things that were interesting, but this definitely was. During the interview process, he was asked, would there be funds available for the January window? And the answer was, yes, there is our funds available. And they've already had a meeting with Mal Colo Toure, Hash Joel, Kevin Betze, and Rob Kelly have already had the meeting and started discussions. And he said, championship clubs are already strengthening and we need to get, get on onto it. So I thought that was quite interesting. Not an easy window to strengthen in, though, but um, we'll see no. what happens. Well, perhaps loans, you know, I mean, to strengthen, you don't have to buy, you, you need money to bring loan players in, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, it just depends. Uh, yeah, I, I'd sooner, if, if I'm being honest, I'd sooner as bring loans in in this window and, and, and let him sort his squad out in the summer when it's uh, more traditional to do that and, and yeah. it's better and we know where we are. Uh, Adam, did you what did you make of Kevin Betsy? 
yeah, really interesting. Um, you know, talking about sort of his uh, his career and also you know rem- remembering performances against us uh, as well. Talked briefly about his uh, stint as Crawley manager, and it was interesting actually. I I talked to him off mic, and um, he was saying that one of the big problems was that when he was at Crawley's, they had a lot of injuries and they had an injury to the keeper. And the way that they wanted to play was to play the ball out from the back. And I think he sees that as an, you know, an integral part of, of the game. So that's quite interesting because obviously that's surely going to have an impact on our team. Now that I think when Amos is back, he was on the bench, but I think when he when when he's fully fit, he might come in because I think he's I don't think he's the best on the ball, but I think he's better than better than Jamie Jones. But very knowledgeable about football, really nice guy as well, and you can see he, he believes in youth, and you could see him being very very popular with the players. So I think I think he, he seems like an excellent uh, appointment to make. He, he told a nice story uh, around Joffrey, didn't he? Around Joffrey Gellard. Yeah, it was when um, he was at the England setup and he was trying to get Joffrey to play for the under 15s. And so he ended up meeting with Gregor Riach and he knows him well. He seems to, he didn't want to name names about our academy players, but he seems seems to be under the impression that we've got some really top players in there and it's gonna take time to nurture them in. But that seems to be the plan. So to me, he came across really well. He knows the history of the club, he understood the the characters in the dressing room, you know, the players that we've got. So He's, to me, he came across he came across really really well, and I'm excited to have, to see what he can do. Another thing that we put to Mal was about the fans' voice and and the fans' advisory board, which we we had for a few years and then disappeared during administration. It, it was promised that he'd come back, but I, I don't think Mal really sees the point of it. Would you say that, Adam? Because he he was questioning, you know, the decisions will be made by the board rather than the fans. I think the, the the final decision essentially is with the owner, isn't it? Because he's yeah. the one who, who pulls the strings. But I think there's nothing wrong with getting feedback. There's, there's you constantly ask to give feedback, aren't you? Customer services. So I think it's contribution, really, and yeah. uh, feedback on areas that that maybe you know the people at the top of, or you know the people in Mal's position might not necessarily see. So I think that's what it, it, what it's important for is to bring issues to the table. It, it's clearly not an issue. We're, we're not a, a transfer committee, you know. We, we're not going to go in there and say we want to side X, Y, and Z. But I, I I think there's a place for them, and more importantly, you know, I think they, they're essential because the Football Supporters Association basically states that you should have them, and it, it's also in the rules of the EFL now as well. So I'll certainly be pushing for it, but with terms of reference that make it absolutely clear that, it, you know, the, the fans are just feeding back, but in a more formal way, so that everybody can see that, you know, they can see that the talk, we can't have every supporter in there, but we can have a good cross-section of supporters representing different bodies, different ethnicities, different sexes, looking at, you know, di- people with disabilities as well and getting those messages across. We're nearly out of time, so we're going to call a wrap on it there. We'll be back on Tuesday with a full reaction to the Sheffield United game. So until Tuesday, it's a goodbye from me and up the ticks. Up the ticks. Come on, you blues. Come on.